Welcome to Believe. My name is Nicholas Upchurch. Our website is believe.love. Our iTunes is believeitunes.com and YouTube, youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. And we have a very special guest for you today. My guest today is Perry Marshall. Perry is an author, a speaker, an engineer, and one of the top business consultants in the world. He wrote the world's best-selling book on web advertising, The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. The techniques he pioneered in that book are now standard best practices worldwide. He's consulted in over 300 industries, from computer hardware and software to biotech and healthcare. And after over a decade of research, he has written a great new book called Evolution 2.0. Breaking the Deadlock Between Darwin and Design. You can find it at his website, CosmicFingerprints.com. Perry not only wants to help you in your business with his books, but in this new book, he really sets out to find some common ground when it comes to the heated debate between evolution and creationism or religion. He wants to get to the truth, and he's willing to look things straight in the eye, and and actually, he's willing to look at things other people might not touch. They might be afraid or uncomfortable to look into, peer-reviewed scientific studies that might be underreported, and he wants to help you find the truth and help you find your true place in the universe. For that, I think Perry is a hero. So welcome to the program, Perry. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Nicholas, and um, thanks for having me on. You know, I've I've been uh, looking at some of your other episodes, and you've got a huge range of topics that you cover. But also, one quickly gets a sense that you know you're you're really trying to connect with people where they're at, maybe on that given day. You know, every people have good days, people have bad days. Uh, some days everything's going great and some days you're questioning everything and you know you're I th- I think this show is a little bit more about the days when you're questioning everything and uh, you know might might feel ugly on the inside from time to time but it's a good healthy thing to be doing so it's an honor to be on your show thank you Wow, thank you very much. Yes, I think that you could probably relate to the fact that um, it's important to get a full spectrum of ideas, especially when we're talking about the subject of your book. I mean, you're you're one of the most sought-after business consultants in the world, and I happen to know this is a very unselfish thing to write this book because you could have spent time um, trying to just make more money and trying to, uh, which you're probably doing anyway, but this actually, I can tell, you're trying to really help people. Uh, you're also an engineer. I can tell you have an important message about our place in the universe. You're trying to share this with people, and and I can tell this is a labor of love. Why is it, Perry? Why is this the biggest untold story in the history of science, the, the subject of your book, and why do you want people to know about it? Well, that is a pretty big claim, isn't it? I mean, I, I say, you know, this is the, the biggest untold story in the history of science, and I, I don't say that lightly. W- why is this? Well, um, I, I think every everybody who's been around the block a couple times has either been involved in or, or watched one of these arguments about creation, evolution, and uh, 
you know, it's right up there with like abortion, gun control, gay rights and immigration, you know, like it really gets people hot under the collar. And um, and I got into that argument about probably 13 years ago and I had never I had never been in that discussion um, while well, I'd kind of avoided. I mean, I uh, I didn't know. I mean, sure. I, I had my opinions. OK, um, but but eventually it kind of smacked me in the face. And even though I had my opinions and I had my intuitions, um, I knew that I could be totally wrong. Um, the, the reason I knew that was because I went to engineering school and there was stuff I learned in engineering school that you would have never believed um, if they didn't actually piece it all together and explain it, you know, bit by bit. And like, oh, my goodness, I, I would have never thought you could do that or I, I would have never thought it worked that way. And 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 so you know, there, there's a certain amount of humility that's necessary. And, and so I can get into that story in a minute. Sure. But 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 in all seriousness, what I found was so fascinating and so deep and, and, and so relevant to every single human being, I was just astounded that I hadn't already heard of this uh, somewhere else. Um, because the, the truth is, is you, you've got, you've got the, the creationists, which, you know, there's a whole spectrum here, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not just two groups. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different views, but you can, you can kind of put them on the, you know, the far right and the far left, if sure. you will. And, and, and what you hear and what gets argued about in the media is the far right and the far left. Um, and, and the, the perfect example of that would be the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate that was online a couple of years ago. I think almost everybody probably at least heard about that. And these two guys are going to head to head. Well, you, you have to understand that is the far right and the far left. And they left out all of the information in the middle. And mm. what they argued about was mostly not even relevant anyway. Um, living things are more amazing than you even know. And, and the, like this really is the biggest story in the history of science. It is breaking news and it affects everything. It affects psychology. It affects philosophy. It affects economics. It affects entrepreneurship. It affects technology. And of course, it affects biology and medicine and all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, and, and I would just, you know, to, to the listener that's like, I'm not sure if I'm buying this yet. Right. Just stick with us through the episode because I, I think I really will make it clear this is big stuff. Well, I do think it's big. I think you're very brave to even address this because you're right. There's so much middle ground. And in addition to that middle ground, there may be things that that right and left in your in your example aren't even considering that that's outside of both that and the middle ground and. And one thing's for sure, you know, Galileo got put in prison for saying that we're not the center of the universe. I mean, and then he thought the sun was the center of the universe. So in addition, even he got put in prison for that. And then his thought about the sun being the center of the universe, there was even more to it than that. So and we are going to get into things that are going to be really, really amazing and actually right Exactly what you're saying. And people will have their mind blown. I, people will have their mind blown. There's much more to this story. 
Tell me if you don't mind, Perry. Tell me about that story of you and your brother. I think on the cha- on the train in China. Um, yes. Yeah. Tell me about. That. Yeah, we're traveling through China, and and so Brian uh, is my younger brother, and we're very close. Uh, in fact, he is the president of my company now. He oh, wasn't wow. then, but he is now. Um, and you know, we can kind of read each other's thoughts and. We grew up in as pastor kids, okay, okay? which means that uh, I was actually rowdy um, because pastor kids are always rowdy. <laughs> sure. Um, and and uh, and so, you know, I went off into business and stuff. He got a theology degree from a very conservative seminary, and then he moved to China and became an English teacher, and he was a missionary on the side. And, and he was there for four years and about halfway through his time in China, he started his faith and his whole belief system started unraveling. Okay. And, um, and he's like, you know, I'm not sure I believe this. I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure this makes sense. And so we're, we're exchanging emails and this is going on. So at this point now, this conversation has been going on for a couple of years I am now visiting him in China and he's like, I don't believe any of this. And I go, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, um, I'm floundering and, uh, he is incredibly smart by the way. And I, I, and I found myself like grasping at straws, if you will. Sure. And I, and I, here's what I went grab for next. I said, Brian, look at the hand at the end of your arm. I said, This is a very fine piece of engineering, and I am an engineer. I've been designing stuff for like 20 years. I said, this is amazing. I said, you don't actually believe that this is a random accumulation of accidents, do you? (laughs) And he's like, hold on, buddy. And and he was ready for that one too. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. What did he say to that? Well, so here's what he says. Uh, again, I, I'm going like I've I've designed stuff. I put put things into production. Um, I wrote and had written an Ethernet book. I, I designed the speakers in the '95 Acura Vigor and the '96 Jeep Cherokee and the '96 Honda Civic. And you know, like when your ass is on wow. the line as an engineer, and and if if you get a bunch of warranty returns or the production line seizes up, like you know, you're, you're next in a noose. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and like Murphy's law always works against engineers. And, and, and so I'm like, there's no, there's no way, uh, living things got here that way. And he goes, hold on a second, buddy. He said, listen to me. He said, if I got a a billion Falcons flying around for like a hundred million years, uh, once in a while, one of them has an accidental copying error in its DNA and it makes its vision better. Then you, now these ones have better vision vision, and, and they'll, they'll eventually dominate the population and the Falcons just got better. And he goes, and that's all you need to get from like one cell to us. And he goes, you don't need a designer for that. Now, that is the standard neo-Darwinian story, okay? And, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure I buy that, but I knew something. Here's what I knew. 
I knew most biologists would agree with him and disagree with me. I knew that. Sure. And I'm like, well, either the biologists know something that the engineers don't know or the engineers know something that the biologists don't know and I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. You know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to start digging into this. And because we, we've, we've had all these arguments about all this stuff and Bible and theology and everything else for the last couple of years. And a lot of it is sort of at a stalemate and a lot of it's ambiguous. And some of you can't really prove, but you know what? I have an electrical engineering degree. I understand science. In fact, I understand science really well. I know what you can trust in science and what you can't, I think. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this. And I did. So, like, I go home. You know, I fly f- home from Beijing and I land and I go home. I, I'm, I'm going to websites. I'm buying stacks and stacks of books on Amazon. I'm listening to stuff. I'm watching stuff. Like, okay, let's get into this thing. And I tore into it. And, you know, it's like – that whole sh- the top of that whole shelf right there is all biology books. It's all you know. Oh, wow! And and so actually about a lot of books. It is too. Um, I mean, I, I I went into this crazy, and you know, people that know me from the business side know it's like I I try to get to the bottom of things. I am not interested in the surface level. You know, I'm a I'm very well known in the internet marketing space. I hate band-aids. I hate quick fixes. What I'm interested in is let's get to the bottom root core of some problem. Let's fix it at the very foundations. And you know, this is this is actually why a lot of my customers are still around and they're still buying stuff from me and doing consultations and and whatever 10 years later is because you know, we do stuff that works and we do stuff that lasts a long time. As you know, in marketing, you can always come up with some quick fix that pisses everybody off. Sure. Right. Um, right. And, and, and so, so like, all right, let's get to this. And I really did find the, the, the biggest untold story in the history of science. And, and you know what it was? What is that? In a, nutsh- in a nutshell, it was, well, it's, yeah, the, the biologists know some stuff that the engineers don't know, and the engineers also know some stuff that the biologists don't know, but you know what knows even more than that is cells. Mm. Cells know something that neither the biologists nor the engineers understand. Cells know how to evolve. Now, I don't know if they're conscious or aware or I don't really I can't say okay um like I don't I don't know if your cells like brush their teeth and say their prayers before they go to bed <laughs> at night. I, mean, I, I I'm not sure but here's what I do know I know that a bacterium can do more software engineering in 12 minutes than a team of engineers can do in 12 weeks and and I know now that the reason that you have to finish your antibiotics, like you go to the doctor and he gives you that thing and he's like, you have to finish this all the way gone, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't, the bugs turn into super bugs. Mm-hmm. Now, now what, what nobody had ever told me was what actually goes on when the bugs become super bugs. Here, here's what goes on. You've got strep. And... um. And so you start taking this antibiotic. Well, the strep germs 
this poison is leaking in their cell wall. It's breaking it down. It's killing them. And those things go, if I don't pump this poison out, I'm dead. So where can I find a pump? And um, every cell just about has um, a Dropbox folder. Uh, The biologists call it a plasmid, but I'm an Internet guy, so I call it a Dropbox folder. Sure. And it's for sharing DNA, okay? And the cells in your body have them. The germs have them. And um, and those germs will go around looking for other cells – and they'll 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 grab that DNA, they'll pull it in, and they'll look at it, and they'll go, "Hey, here's a section that codes for a pump. Slice it out, stick it in, read the code, build the pump, pump the poison out, okay? And now all of a sudden, it's better now. Up, it updates its Dropbox folder. It starts sharing new code with all of its bacteria friends." And then it starts dividing off new cells that have pumps. And and what I just described to you can happen in 20 minutes. Wow. So okay. we're talking about some serious code. This is badass stuff, man. <laughs> this is and, – and, and, and Badass and code. Anybody like that reads that. the newspapers and listens to NPR knows that we're in an epidemic problem with antibiotics where – you know, like we've all heard stories of friends and relatives who are like, well, we got like these three tiers of antibiotics and you're done tier number two. And if or maybe we're at the last one. And if this doesn't work, like we got nothing for you, dude. Mm-hmm. We've all heard these stories. Well, this is why it's because cells do this in real time, 24 hours a day. And the more you threaten them the more they adapt. Uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb would call this anti-fragile. They, the more you break them, the more they fix themselves. Now, I want, I want you to think about this. You know, Apple computer software doesn't do that, and Microsoft software doesn't do that, and apps don't do that. So what do cells know that we don't? Hmm. And who coded okay, that? This is the biggest untold story in the history of science. Mm-hmm. Cells know something we don't know how to do. They do evolve. And in fact, in my book, Evolution 2.0, I describe what I call a Swiss Army knife of five different mechanisms. And the one I just described is blade number two. It's called horizontal gene transfer. It's where cells literally exchange genes with one another. And there's four other major blades on the Swiss Army knife. And then there's others that I didn't even get to in the book. So we understand at a surface level sort of mechanically what's going on. But we barely understand. In fact, yesterday it was funny. I had a dinner yesterday and it was hosted by Brian Kurtz. And Brian is sort of famous for these. He'll he'll put together these dinners and he'll get as many interesting people in the room as he can. Like 12 people. And so I'm sitting across the the table from one of the most successful fertility doctors in the country. Uh, And he practices in New York City and most fertility clinics uh, have like 35 percent success and he's got 70. And I'm talking to him about this. And all of a sudden we was like, oh, 
like we're both interested in this biology stuff. Sure. Uh, crazy. So we, we go into this. He's, he starts, he starts telling me how, you know, they can edit genes now. And he said there was experiments where, where they said, well, Hey, you know, let's just fix this one little letter that got copied wrong and they have ways to fix that now. And he goes, you know, they, they thought they, you know, all right, you know, we patched it up. It's all going to be fine. He goes, the thing went haywire. He goes, he goes, I've been watching um, one cell develop into 20 cells, you know, for years. He goes, this thing is so fantastically more amazing and complex than we even comprehend. He said, I think we actually understand about 5% of what's going on. Sure. And, and I said, oh, I yeah, said, you know, ahead. that's, that's funny because that's that's about the number I would put on how much of under, of evolution we understand. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I love that story because I saw Deepak Chopra is an MD, he's very popular, and he's into you know peer reviewed science. I mean, he's into the same thing that you are, actual scientific studies. And he said, I saw him in person live, and he said that. We call junk DNA junk DNA because we don't know what it is. And we call dark matter dark matter because we don't know what it is. And 4% of the universe, he said, is the atomic universe. 96% is dark matter. And that just means we don't know what that is. And so what I like about, I love what you just told us. I do think it's groundbreaking. In your book, Perry, Evolution 2.0, which actually I downloaded the first three chapters for free at CosmicFingerprints.com. I think everybody should do that. But, you know, it mentions, uh, we discover fascin... Excuse me. I actually wrote this down because it goes along with what you're saying. We discover fascinating real-time evolutionary lab experiments, for example, by an eminent scientist in the 1940s. And this is some of the unreported sort of miracles that you went back and you said you studied for 10 to 20 years. But... His work was recognized by a 1983 Nobel Prize, but it's still rarely mentioned in school science curricula. And what I want to know, Perry, and I want to get into more about the code and actually who's maybe behind this code and and your prize that you might offer. But Mm -hmm. why do you think this work is hidden uh, and what other things are really in the book that are underreported? What are some of the highlights and why are they important to know for people? And another thing, how can we make both sides in this argument feel comfortable enough to release their need for control and have real discussions like you want to have? Well, boy, that's that's a million dollar question. So let's sure. Let's why. Why is this so? Um, calcified? Why is this so gridlocked? Well, right. well, let, uh, as a marketer, I, I can give you an explanation and, and here's mm. what it is. So, so, um, if you study the last two elections, both the Trump Hillary election and also the, the Obama Romney election, right? The, the, uh, the election was actually swung by a handful of states, and within those states, it was swung by just a handful of counties and voting precincts. And if you're into demographics and stuff, you can go into this and you can figure out, like, you know, like uh, Brad Parscale, the, the Trump uh, social media guy, you know, he's like 
targeting the heck out of a handful of states and cities and stuff because he knows like this is where the tipping points are, right? right. And 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 so so really all big issues hinge on the small number of things. And and and, and so what you have is you have um like you have Republicans, they're going to be Republican no matter what anybody says or no matter what anybody does or no matter how awful the candidate is. And then you know, on, on the Democrat side, you have like the same kind of thing. Well, the evolution creation debate is very similar. It is dominated by two groups. It's dominated by fundamentalist Christians, um, very similar to the family I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's dominated by flaming, rabid atheists. Right. Okay, and they are in the shouting match and they got megaphones and they got megawatt amplifiers and they got spotlights and they're just they're just pounding away. Okay, Um, and um, and and there's not room for people to hear the rest of it. It's extremely politicized and it's extremely polarized. Well, on top of that, let's add that. So. A lot of people either think Charles Darwin is like a saint or a Satan, like, right. you know, they're like, well, you know, he's not a saint. He's not Satan. Um, and, and actually, the version of evolution that he came up with in 1859 was better than the version that they've been teaching in school since 1940. What changed? Uh, it was called Neo-Darwinism. And mm. – there, there was a couple of theories that came out in the 1920s and 30s and 40s that were based on very limited technology and very limited information, and they got hardened into dogma. And basically, the do- my brother actually gave me the dogma when he was telling the Falcon story. He goes – so all you need is some copying errors and every now and then one of them will be better and natural selection is going to just take care of everything else and everything just gets better and better and better every day. Right. Okay. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Okay. They thought it did in the forties. Um, but with more and more and more research, it started becoming apparent that there was all of these other things going on. Well, what I had to do was I said, all right, I've got to break this down. And really, for, for weeks, I floundered helplessly. And I watched the ping pong ball go back and forth. And I would read the left. And that made sense. And I would start to believe that. And then I'd go over to the right. And then what they would make sense. And I was just going back and forth. And I said, okay, I, I have to break this down into something more fundamental than this. I can't just like pick a side, you know, sure. and, and, and so I had this giant ground. epiphany one day. Okay. And, 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 and here's what it was. I'm like, okay, there's, so the, can the Falcon copying error make better eyesight? Do, does that work? And so I'm studying DNA I'm studying DNA mutations and a bam, I had this giant realization. So in 2002, in a previous life, I wrote a book called industrial ethernet. Mm-hmm. which is a probably a good non-pharmaceutical replacement for insomnia, okay? Um, you know, if you can't sleep at night, you can read my <laughs> Ethernet book, okay? Right. But 
in all seriousness, it was pretty. It, right. uh, if you get down into it, it's actually very fascinating how you know you're driving down the expressway and you're talking on your cell phone or you're texting or something, and all those ones and zeros actually make it. Mm-hmm. With you know, there's motors running and there's lightning and there's thunder and there's all this stuff going on, but it still makes it. Let me tell you, it's pretty incredible what they do to make those packets go back and forth. And I and here's my realization. Oh, my word, the data structure and DNA and all the rules of how this has to work is the same as digital computer code. Hmm. And it is. The math is the same. The concepts are the same. The theory is the same. It's engineering communication theory. DNA is a digital code. DNA transcription and translation is a digital communication process. Cells copy DNA. Computers copy files. We're on Skype. Your computer is sending me a copy of our conversation. My computer is sending you a copy. Okay, it's copying data, processing data. It's all the same thing. So here's what I figured out. There's no way the falcon eye gets better from a copying error. There's no way. doesn't work that way. Never did work that way. Never can work that way. Doesn't ever work that way in any cell phone tower. Doesn't ever work that way in any computer. The only way you can make it work is if you, you obey the rules of the language. And now I was really puzzled. I was like, okay. So I start looking more. Well, eventually, what? here's what I found out. Mm-hmm. I found out that cells have very, very sophisticated repair and error detection systems that detects when there's copying errors. Hmm. Okay, when when your cells copy, your cells are copying six billion letters and the error rate is less than one in a billion. Wow. And it's actually done through three stages of error correction. The first stage has an error of one in 10,000. The second stage gets it to one in a million or some something like that. And and the next stage gets it to less than one in a billion. Now. Here's where it gets really interesting. In the 1940s, Barbara McClintock, she was like a hacker. She was this brilliant geneticist at Cornell. Um, she, she did these experiments on corn plants, and she started hitting her corn plants with radiation in order to break the DNA. And she wanted to see what would happen. And what the plant did when it had damaged DNA, it went over to another chromosome and said, hey, mm. I, m- this part of my program is all corrupted, but I can find another part of a program over here that's not the same, but it'll work, copy, paste, go. And the plant re-engineered its own DNA in real time, repaired itself, and went on to reproduce. Wow. Okay. So it would be like, it would be like if your app got corrupted and it went and found code from another app and fixed itself. This will fit. Let's try this. Boom. And all of a sudden your app works and it's actually a little different than it was before. So Barbara's. Oh, go ahead. Go go ahead. Well, the epiphany, it sounds like is you, you found out, wow, there seems to be some intelligence in this code. It's not maybe there's something going on there. Yes. 
where there could be some intelligence. Barbara McClintock said, what does a cell know about itself? And the answer is we don't know. Hmm. Right now. They know something. That's right. And I want to get into that because I like – so what I hear what I hear overall is that you went back and forth with your brother. I know how tough that can be actually. I have a sister, but I, I love her, but that can spur on our drive to find some of these things out because family is some of the provides some of the greatest opportunities for growth, I guess we could say, right? That's the nice that's a nice way you to think? put it. Yeah, so I, I can tell there's more to that story. And we're talking about years and ten years and twenty years of research, but it sounds right. like the epiphany you had was there There was some middle ground you found, and it sounds like if we can make people comfortable enough to discuss the possible middle ground, that actually there there could be some of both, and it doesn't have to be so polarized. And I saw that on your website. It's a safe space, cosmicfingerprints.com, yes. that nobody's going to be insulted and belittled and things like that. And I also saw on your website, um, you know, the idea is who wrote this code? Uh, for example, you have a $3 million technology prize, which is amazing. Yes. And you mentioned on your website that the origin of this information that, that allows, you know, a plant to go to another plant and download it, like who wrote that? Ama- all these amazing things. I mean, you talk about in your, in your book, underreported studies, and we're going to get to some I want your thoughts on that are really going to blow people's mind. I'm talking about real studies from like mainstream science and things that NASA are coming out with. And But your $3 million technology prize, which is really amazing, people can go to CosmicFingerprints.com for more on that. The origin of information is one of the central problems in modern biology. No one knows where the genetic code came from, No one knows how the first cell developed. To solve this, the author, which is you, Perry, organized a private equity investment group, which is offering a prize reminiscent of the X Prize for a natural process that produces coded information. The prize amount is $3 million uh, as of November 2016. So, Perry, tell us about that. That's really amazing because who wrote this code, Perry? Well, so... There's a million codes, right? Mm -hmm. There's HTML, there's barcodes and zip codes and Chinese and English and PHP and et cetera, right? Um, Every single file format on your computer, whether it's doc or XLS or whatever, it's, it's all, they're all languages. They're all codes, right? So there's a million codes and 999,999 of them are designed by humans. Sure. And then there's one code we don't know where it came from, and it's called DNA. Mm -hmm. So the inference, the natural logical inference would be that it's designed. And um, and this is, you know, this is a point. Design being intelligence? Like a a greater – Well, Mm -hmm. every code, Mm -hmm. like the better the codes, the smarter the programmer has to be. And we're talking – so there's simple codes like Morse code and like a, a six-year-old could probably do that. Uh, TCPIP is like a little more complicated than that, right? Sure. Um, so, you know, more complicated codes seem to be designed by more sophisticated people. 
Uh, DNA is a code that can, you know, where a cell can literally reinvent itself. And so, you know, the, the, the creationists really score a point with this one. Well, here's the thing. What I found, and I've been ha- having this debate with people for more than 10 years now, I, I came to a realization. I, I You know, I, I could bonk atheists over the head with this, uh, you know, well, this inference to design that we have in DNA, but but I slowly started to realize something. And, and Brian actually, like, we had more arguments and we had more discussions about this, you know, as time went Brian's on. Brian's your brother. And Brian's my brother. Okay, got it. And he goes, Perry, listen. He goes, you know, that's great and all. And, you know, it certainly, you know, would seem to suggest that there's design in the universe, but there's only one issue with that. He goes, it's not like a scientist who has a job and works at a university and needs to get a paycheck. You know, it's not like that guy can say, oh, okay, God did this. So let's take a three martini lunch. (laughs) He goes, all a scientist can do is peel the onion another layer. So if you like, if you come to the end of a scientific road or you hit a brick wall and you can't figure something out, if you say God did it, you might be missing something. Right. Like there is a difference. And this is really subtle, but I really want people to stop and think about this. There's a difference between identifying God as an immediate, like, here's the dotted line. This is cross that dotted line. And now you're in the God zone. There's a difference between doing that, which is always pretty arbitrary and pretty subject to later being wrong right? versus God is an ultimate explanation. And I don't know how many layers there are to the onion. And, and it started to dawn on me, you know what? I need to create a middle path where we are inviting people to solve these problems rather than announcing that they can't be solved. Sure. Because if I say God did it, in a certain sense, I stop the conversation. Now, do I believe in God? Absolutely, I do. But I'm not going to insert God in the mysterious spaces and then declare game over. That's not that's not, that's not. not what Galileo was trying to do. It's not what Isaac Newton was trying to do. It's not in the spirit of what I, I think is, is really responsible science. And so... I put together this technology prize and and I found that if if I can start asking the question, okay, so how can you solve this? How do you get a code without designing one? I don't know where this is going to go, but but my suspicion is that we may actually start to figure out what is consciousness and what are these mm-hmm. cells really doing? That's right. And how does this really work? And and at that point, there's nothing to be afraid of because, you know, if you're like a professor, you're a researcher, you're a scientist, you're afraid that the creationists are going to show up and shut down your research. Sure. Like they really literally are afraid of that for good reason uh, because the creationists think that evolution is a hoax. They're not talking about Barbara McClintock. They're not, right? They, 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 they're not telling you how evolution works. But if you go to the other side and, and you come from the spiritual perspective 
you're going, you know, I don't like it when people reduce the wonderful amazingness of biology to a, a big story about random accidents that you could never possibly prove if you even wanted to. Like that doesn't serve science either. And frankly, it's not true. Like it's just dreadfully awful science when in fact what's really going on is – you know, these cells are doing these amazing, amazing uh, genetic engineering maneuvers, and we need to understand what's going on. That's we right. have to understand what's – we'll never solve cancer. We'll never solve diabetes. We'll never solve any of this stuff if we continue to think that it's all random. Well, and I think you're right. People are afraid because they think it will ruin their career. They think that um, they'll get chastised and actually – the whole goal of this show is to harmonize those tough things. And even if it's money, even if the reason why some of these things are underreported is ultimately because of money, you know, we want to forgive people if that's the case. And we want to yeah. start to not just attack and uh, but also understand that it's not so easy. You can't just say kumbaya, let's come together. There are a lot of interests involved and yeah. we're going to help some people. We're going to see if we can help people right now get some ideas i want somebody to win it's three million dollars if it's patentable i, I guess mm -hmm. if you, so i want somebody right. to win that so what i want to do right now it goes right along with what you were saying because there are people that are scientists who who are willing to push that line and one of them actually a, a guy named francis crick so francis crick and Perry knows this, but a lot of people don't. I certainly, you know, I've heard about it about a year ago. Um, Francis Crick, and our viewers can see this, he actually was the guy who was a Nobel Prize winner, the discoverer of the structure of the DNA molecule. Mm -hmm. And Perry, I want to get some of your thoughts on some of these things that we found because this goes right along with what you're saying. And so Francis Crick, what he said, and we're looking right now at a book, by Graham Hancock, who's sold millions and millions of books, who's very into peer-reviewed work and, you know, stuff that's sort of like not nonsense. And mm -hmm. Francis Crick, uh, from Graham Hancock's research, there's a quote in here that Crick, who discovered DNA, said that the odds against such instant life are beyond the astronomical, more unlikely than the assembly of a Boeing 707 by a hurricane in a junkyard. And if we if we go to another book by um, Don Nix, Patterns of Being, Collected Thoughts and the Nature of Reality, Francis Crick, who discovered DNA while under the influence of LSD, which is a whole another discussion. He was uh, disturbed at the improbability of even a single fully assembled protein made up of a, a long string of amino acids emerging through the chance collision of molecules. And, and Crick said, it is far too complex to have arisen at one blow. It must have evolved from something simpler. However, there's no evidence that any such evolution took place on Earth before the spread of the first DNA-based bacteria, about 3.9 billion years ago but then when he gets into the same quote about the boeing 707 uh it says crick was an expert mathematician and he estimated the odds at one followed by 260 zeros that this all just happened by chance and he said that it's such a remarkable 
mechanism that exists. And and it goes on here, if we can get down to the second page, because this is so interesting. After wrestling with this question, Crick came up with the remarkable theory of panspermia, the idea that life forms, probably in the form of bacteria, must have been sent to Earth in spaceships by an alien civilization. In other words, life did not originate on Earth, but was seeded from another planet, possibly more layers to the onion. And another variation was uh, put forward by Sir Fred Hoyle, Both Crick and Hoyle thought that DNA did not originate here and must have come together elsewhere before it went into action on Earth. Now, I want to go to another thing, and then I want to get Perry's thoughts. This is uh, Natural World News, and our YouTube viewers can see this, naturalworldnews.com. Extraterrestrial expose, Vatican to reveal its best-kept alien secret soon. And we have a quote from Father Jose Gabriel Fuenes. And what he says, and he he holds a master's degree in astronomy. And he's also, you know, he works with the Vatican. The discovery of the new planet Kepler. Let's see what this says here. This website's jumping around. Too many ads. Perry knows about these ads. The discovery of the new planet, Kepler-452b, revives the idea that contact and, why not, the encounter with extraterrestrial intelligent beings of an alien civilization could happen in the near future. Uh, He goes on to say that that doesn't mean there isn't Jesus, but he goes on to say, Perry, that it is highly possible, and we're talking about the Vatican. So I would love to hear your thoughts on those things. Just any thoughts that come to mind. Well, so I don't really have any bias one way or the other mm-hmm. about extraterrestrials. Um, I, I'm certainly not uh, somebody who's going to uh, put down somebody who thinks that they're out there. I mean, sure. how much could we possibly, I mean, there's, we know about, you know, we, we know a thimble <laughs> of right. knowledge That's in a right. vast universe, right? So th- there's no there's no justification in hubris that sneers at, at, at things. Um, I take a more philosophical point of view, which is, well, if you're really trying to answer the question, it only kicks the can further down the road. You still end up with the question of where did the alien came from and, 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 and all of that. And so... I don't I don't think I don't think the life came from uh, from elsewhere from aliens. I don't think I don't think that is as helpful. Now there is a whole field called astrobiology right which is um concerned with well c- could life have developed elsewhere and it's it's kind of a, about chemistry and and all of that. Um and, you know, I, I'm a Christian and I'm probably like the Vatican guy. Like, I don't I don't really sure. think that that changes Christianity one way or sure. the other. In fact, Mormons are actually fairly friendly. The whole they seem to have thought about this harder than most of us have. Right. But but I, I would say that I, I for scientifically peeling the onion. Mm-hmm. Here's what I do think all of this means. I think the universe is consciousness first, matter second, 
not matter first and consciousness second. And I think that that um, science has defaulted to bottom-up reductionism um, and rede- rejected top-down. But in fact, consciousness is a top-down uh, way of looking at things rather than bottom up. And, and I actually want to key into something you talked about at the very beginning of, sure. of the podcast. You talked about Galileo figuring out, well, the earth revolves around the sun and then eventually like, well, actually that was a little premature too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you keep zooming out, well, where is the center of the universe? Like, does That's anybody right. even know is there a center? And then cosmologists will tell you that, well, it's actually this like four-dimensional manifold, and then you get into all this weird geometry and right. stuff. And 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 and, and so, so this actually brings up a great point. Uh, so I have a friend named Dennis Noble. Okay. And just to give you – Dennis organized – the recent evolution conference at the Royal Society in London. He is a very eminent scientist in the UK. He's the researcher who figured out the cardiac rhythm, which made pacemakers possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's written a lot of papers on evolution and he, and a lot of his heart research gave him insight into evolution where he realized the way the genes of the heart work, and he had to work with them because of heart rhythms and stuff. He figured out that the the traditional Darwinian explanation of genes was completely wrong. Right. Okay. Wow. And 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 uh, he wrote a book that just came out recently. It's called Dance to the Tune of Life: Biological Relativity. And what he does in his book is really funny. You bring this up about Galileo and and what's the center of the universe? Sure. Like really uncanny. Because in his book, he says, just like we don't even know if there is a center of the universe, he says, by all, all of biology, whether you look at one cell or even a part of a cell or an organ or a whole organism or even the whole earth, it's systems within systems within systems within systems within systems. And there's no there's no single place in any of it where you can go, this is the starting point or this, you know, like this is where it all begins. Wow. So he, there's, he says, there's no center. It, no, there's no center to and, biology. It's systems and feedback and, we're and even, interactions and well, mutuality. And it goes on and on. It traces on and on. And we're even showing right now on NASA.gov, Europa's ocean may have an Earth-like chemical balance. This is on NASA's website. Who knew that Europa, which is a moon of Jupiter, even had oceans? Another article on NASA.gov. NASA confirms evidence that liquid water flows on today's Mars. Now, this next one I love. Uh, Serious documentary reveals DNA tests on Atta, the six-inch being that was verified as a real being by Dr. Gary Nolan at Stanford, one of the top geneticists in the world. A six-inch seven-year-old that lived within the past 100 years. It's a documentary. was one of the top documentaries on Netflix. And serious okay. disclosure. And this, my opinion, you don't have to comment on this. This is no human. 
He actually, the article on Huffington Post, which was shared millions of times, but not enough. I didn't know this. It came out in 2013. The documentary, he kind of, he doesn't want to say that it's not human, but he dances around it and he says, we're putting the DNA code out there. But this is a real being that a Stanford geneticist says is seven years old and is six inches tall that lived. They did x-rays. They did DNA samples. I mean, this is this is wild. And Perry, I want to get to a couple more things to support your uh, to support your research and to give people ideas on how they can actually maybe win this. I mean, we have here uh, Dr. Luc Montagnier. I pronounced that wrong. He's a French guy, probably. DNA. I know who that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. So DNA in water spontaneously generates just almost exactly what, like what you said regarding the replication example of the plants being next to each other. Two tubes. He, he did it with frequencies, a seven hertz frequency, and it spontaneously generated in the test tube next to the original test tube. And this is from Hidden Origins with Michael Tellinger on Gaia.com. Another, another uh, scientific study, DNA molecules can teleport, uh, Nobel Prize winner claims. Actually, this is the same one. Yeah, uh, this is on tech, yeah, tech World. Uh, another article from this one I really recommend, Russian biophysicist and molecular biologist. I'm going to, Yagovryu Peruski Ploha, I speak Russian terribly, Pyotr Gerdjaver, which basically in this article from wakeup-world.com, listen, this is more of a new age site, but these studies, scientists prove DNA can be reprogrammed by sounds and frequencies. And if you go through here, they, these guys wrote a book. These Russian scientists uh, talks about hypercommunication. I mean, you know, it, the book is called Networked Intelligence. It goes right along with what you said. It is not even discussed. And these guys are no dummies. I don't know about you, Perry. I've hired Russian programmers. They're very good. They're very good. They're some of the best. Uh, another article by David Wilcock, um, which talks about on divinecosmos.com, who's a great researcher, fantastic proof of spontaneous DNA manifestation by a, a great doctor that is, we're going to go down here, uh, Pacheo. Pacheo, he took uh, DNA, he sterilized the test tube, he put raw materials in the test tube, and DNA started forming and little... Life, Dr. Ignacio Pen Pacheco. I'm I'm butchering that name, but the point here is that this is there's so much to this. And the last thing, Perry, and this, and I want to get your just a brief comment. I'll know those, and I know we're gonna go. But here's a study, uh, Express.co.uk, mainstream. There is life after death. Scientists reveal shock findings from groundbreaking study. Life after death has been confirmed by scientists who have discovered consciousness continues even once a person has died. Over 2,000 people, British uh, University of Southampton, shows people still experience awareness for up to three minutes after they had been pronounced dead. The doctor, the lead researcher, Dr. Sam Parnia, Contrary to perception, this is what he says, contrary to perception, death is not a specific moment, but a potentially reversible process that occurs after severe illness. He goes on to say, 
Uh, he goes on to talk. They studied uh, 2,060 patients. Uh, he continued, this suggests more people may have mental activity initially, but then lose their memories after recovery, either due to the effects of brain injury or sedative drugs on memory recall. But I, that's not the most important quote in this. The most important quote, the signif- this is significant. I'm so excited about this. This is significant since it has often been assumed that experience in relation to death are likely hallucinations or illusions occurring either before the heart stops or after the heart had been successfully restarted, but not an experience corresponding with real events when the heart isn't beating. In this case, consciousness and awareness appeared to occur during a three-minute period when there was no heartbeat. This is paradoxical since the brain typically ceases functioning within 20 to 30 seconds of the heart stopping and doesn't resume again until the heart has been restarted. Furthermore, the detailed recollections of visual awareness in this case were consistent with verified events. And basically it's that, and we're going to go back to you, Perry. I mean, these things are so unbelievably amazing. To me, there is scientific evidence, just like all the beautiful things in your book at CosmicFingerprints.com. I bought it on Amazon and I downloaded the first three chapters for free. But there are so many underreported things that you get to in your book, Perry. And then we just touched on really quickly, and we'll get into it in the future. Listen, we're just getting started on the show. Believe the sound isn't perfect. The video is not perfect. But this is our goal. You're a brave man. You're a hero, Perry, because you're willing to bring up some of these underreported things and not demonize people who have failed to maybe talk about this, think their reputation's on the line. There are MIT professors on ancient aliens. There are people talking about this now, and you're a great guy. You're one of them. You're a hero. And I think, honestly, there's a bit of a flat earth society, and I I don't think you're in it. I don't think you're in the flat earth society when it comes to this topic. So tell me your thoughts, and then we'll we'll wrap it up, Perry. Well, you know, you, you covered like this wide spectrum of things and, and, and here's what Wiggle when you when you go down these little rabbit trails, sure. Here here's my my experience, here's what you find. My experience is eighty percent of it not very useful, not very credible, sure, you know, fringy, sure. whatever. However, twenty percent or maybe ten or maybe five, but you know, there there there's a slice of it that when you when you chase it down, it's pretty hard to refute. You know, the, so like there's there's all kinds of near death experiences, out of body experience where like the guy's pronounced dead on the operating table and he can tell you there's a blue shoe on the gutter at the top of the hospital on the roof, you know, and they go up there and yeah, there's a blue That's shoe right. up there and you know the CIA did remote these, viewing. Remote viewing is CIA declassified programs. Right. And there, there's, there's a whole book called the conscious universe that documents it all. There's a lot, there's a lot of this stuff. Here's what I want to say about sure. it. Sure. There's, so when you put all this out there, so yes, I, I totally get it's fringy and I, and I don't know how much of it right. is correct. I, I like, so, you know, not really trying to necessarily defend specific That's right. things. That's right. But, but the skeptic will always come back and they'll make fun of it and they'll go, well, that's been disproven. That's usually my experience is 
the skeptic is stuck in the 19th century. Right. I mean, it really, really. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the old school Darwinists are stuck in the 1950s. And if you, and, and, and this is just the, the nature of science is think, think, I want you to really hear me out here. Okay. Science is mostly funded by the National Science Foundation and the National Institute of Health in a, in a handful of government agencies. Okay? It's a government bureaucracy. Think post office. Now, right. the post office is not a conspiracy, but That's it is right. not the most competent thing you've ever seen in your life by any means. Okay, I know lots of scientists. <laughs> they they live and die by their funding. That's and right. There's a ton of political correctness, and there's a ton of like their employees. They work for big institutions. They're non entrepreneurs. They're not in a position to take risks, and one slip, and their whole career is over. This is this is the truth uh, uh, about science. So there are certain taboos. So like. Things like remote viewing and telekinesis and stuff like that. This has been documented for a hundred years. That's right. It just it just doesn't happen to be acceptable in the mainstream academy. But if you if I mean the government I've got is documented books that. about just that. Mm-hmm. I mean you, margins of reality by, by John and Dunn. That book is so boring nobody could have possibly <laughs> made it up. You could. Okay. You're very smart. But 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 no, they, like the, the studies are there and they, they comport with my experience. And so the universe is way stranger than you know or you can even imagine. That's and right. There's a difference. There's a huge difference between reality and the model of reality that happens to be in your brain right now. They are not the same. So there's the should be world and there's the is world. And you know, hopefully I can get people a little closer to the is world and know that the is world is much more amazing that's than right. the version that's been in your head. Yes, I actually I really, really appreciate that because I think that uh, what you've done with this book, Perry, is you've started to have a mature discussion that's not demonizing, as I mentioned earlier, either party. You're looking at things. Basically, what I see happening in the world right now is that very intelligent people, including, again, Dr. Gary Nolan, just to be in that documentary with the seven-year-old six-inch being, which is Serious Disclosure, S-I-R-I-U-S, on Netflix, with Dr. Stephen Greer, who ran an emergency room for 11 years and briefed the CIA director under Bill Clinton. It's not like a dummy. It's not like fringe. And but some of these things are, and we know that some of this is, you know, not it's not perfect. But I think what you're saying is maybe neither is creationism and neither is evolution. There's a middle ground. You're very courageous, and actually, I think you're this book. Everybody should buy it at CosmicFingerprints.com because you're not. It's not for money. It's because the message is we want to be accepting of everybody who who just. Even if they're on the fringes right now, the far right creationists, the far left evolutionists, it's because they're afraid. They're afraid to look maybe at themselves. We're afraid. I know I'm afraid about some things, but Perry has given us a tool 
to start just looking at at the underreported studies and not demonizing, you know, the post office and and even the uh, the scientific foundation. You mentioned as part of the government, um, but to actually look at things and say, hey, they've done the best they can. Maybe they have other interests where they can't disclose right. certain things. But you know what? Let's try to harmonize. Let's try to come together. Let's look at these studies. And the truth of the matter is, I think it's all going to come out eventually anyway. And and it, it doesn't hurt. You're not a bad person or you're not stupid for looking at it. In fact, it could be the opposite. And when you start to look at these things, you may start to find your true purpose in the universe, Perry. And I think that's what you really want to leave people with, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Fear, fear, no important question. Well, Ignore no verifiable facts. Wow. That last sentence is very powerful. And actually, I threw a million things at people to get them. We're going to go into that in future episodes. Maybe we can have Perry back in the future. But those, hey, I want you guys to win that $3 million. I threw like a million things out. I was, my voice was jumpy. I was going crazy because I wanted to get to all of them because they're so amazing. Just some of that, maybe 20% is true. And Perry wrote another book, The 80-20. I think it's Marketing Principles. I would buy all of Perry's books at Amazon. But Perry, Perry Marshall, it's been a great honor to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us on Believe and have a great day.